0: Hello, and welcome to livealittlehigher.com. This week we read Noah, and the Torah is an eternal Torah, and as the Lubavitcher Rebbe said, that the Torah portion of the week is really the Jewish horoscope, and it really is the message of the Torah portion is so relevant to us today as when these events happened. And so in this Torah portion we see that uh, human, humanity had become very degraded, very animalistic. And We see how in the portion of Bereshit, the first portion of the Torah, Genesis, we see uh, the two first human beings that ever existed, Adam and Eve, or Hava, and we see how they were created perfect and not long after their creation they went down into an abyss of um, imperfection, let's say it. And so we see that we're, they were expulsed from the Garden of Eden. And this was the first crisis of humanity, this was the first human crisis. And in Noah, we see that there's another calamity because the people became so debased, human, the human race, became so low that Hashem had to destroy the whole world and restart it all over again. And he only saved this family, Noah's family, him, his wife, his three sons, and his three daughters-in-law, and with them a new generation of humanity began. So we see that there, there's also at the end of the parasha of Noah there's another calamity that happens in in the history of our existence and it's the collapse of the Tower of Babel Uh, we see how humanity after the flood emerged again and there were people again and people started to live uh, connected holy lives and suddenly they again started falling into, um, into these practices and the Tower of Babel was a tower that these people were building Everybody got together to build this building to destroy God. And this is where uh, the dispersion of humanity came from. Uh, Before the destruction of this Tower of Babel, um, people spoke a common language and they got along together. We see that they were all working together for the same cause. And after this, Hashem messed their languages and they couldn't understand each other anymore and they started quarreling. And then we have in the Torah another critical event that happened in the history, and it was the slavery of the Jewish people. And we see that these events, these four events, are archetypes of what humanity continues to live, generation through generation through generation, and uh, the Torah is the antidote to all these um, messed up minds, let's call it. It's the way in which we can rehabilitate ourselves and uh, understand what is the whole purpose of our, of our being, of our existence. So let's go one by one. Uh, Rabbi Ginsberg, in his book, The Inner Dimension, he explains that before Adam's sin and his expulsion from the Garden of Eden, the world as we know, it had no significance, and it was barely a figment of imagination. In its place, the Torah describes the Garden of Eden as a concrete location, an idyllic setting with luscious trees, animals, a man, a woman, and a serpent. But we cannot even comprehend what this Garden of Eden was. It wasn't even Eden. Uh, It wasn't the world to come. It was a preamble to the world to come. Hashem created them just outside of the door. They just have to not eat from that tree for three hours until Shabbat started, and the whole uh, creation would have entered uh, the, the, the world that Hashem envisioned. But because of this sin, Uh, we were thrown out of this garden Uh, evil was internalized inside of humanity it was something that was external they didn't have any evil nature within them but once they ate from this tree of good and evil of knowledge, evil became part of our psyche and so Rabbi Ginsberg says that God expelled Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden and paradise receded into another dimension of reality. So it's something that we dream about, we don't know what it is, but we know that eventually the whole world will come to this place. And so like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, the origin of the soul is a spiritual paradise. So before we come into this world, our soul, our neshama, comes from this idyllic place, and at the moment of birth, it crashes into an uncompromising reality, From then on, we dedicate our life to rehabilitate ourselves. Today, psychology talks a lot about trauma. Trauma, trauma, it's such a big word nowadays. Everybody has trauma. Everybody has post-traumatic stress disorder. And it's something that is very much vocal nowadays and people are working through their traumas. And in reality, we come with trauma. A baby that is put into a womb, and has to be gestated for nine, ten months, and then a mother has to go through labor, just that experience for a baby, for a soul, is traumatic. So developing from childhood into adolescence, it's also traumatic. When you're a child, you're innocent, and then you're thrust into this body of this weird-looking kid that is full of hormones, doesn't know anything, he's moody, he, he, he's... Um, He's not like a normal human being. I remember once a psych- psychiatrist, he says that he, that he did MRIs on, on teenagers, and their brain structure is the same as a, a schizophrenic. That's how bad a teenager is because of the, the hormones they carry. So like in Eden, a, a serpentine catalyst precipitates our expulsion from the purity of childhood and the evil inclination, and the more successful it is, the more our initial innocence is defiled, and reality becomes crueler and more sinister, and more alien. So in our present state of consciousness, we are refugees from another world, and we have an innate desire to return to our original uh, paradise where we come from. And so God sent Adam (coughs) away from the Garden of Eden, to cultivate the soul from which he had been taken. You remember that he was made out of, of dust. And God created the physical aspect of man from the soil, and he then blew a living soul inside of his nostrils. So we, our life source is really God's breath. This is what sustains us. We have a soul. We're not only a body, we have a soul. We're a soul living a bodily experience, because eventually, when we leave this world in 180 years, we don't take the body with us, we go; the soul goes up again, and the body goes into the grave. It's done. It's finito. But the thing is that when we live in this existence as, as, as a corporeal being, we forget that we have a we forget where we come from. And so the way back to an idyllic consciousness of Eden requires refining our earthly origins. So what we're doing here really is that we are taking this body, which is a coarse body, and we're refining it. This is the whole purpose of life, is for a human being to become a human being. Because we are full of animalistic instincts, and if we live through our animal desires, instinctive nature, then we're not better than animals. We're worse than animals. Because at least an animal was created to be an animal. But a being is created to be a human being. We're created in in the image of Hashem, and we're here to perfect ourselves he didn't create us perfect he brought us here to be so we ourselves could work to become perfected beings and this is only done through the Torah the Torah is what's gonna help a person uh, refine his midots his character traits and then we see the number two destruction or the catastrophe which was the destruction of the world which is what we read in this week's Torah portion the Mabul and he says that before the flood the world was far from idyllic, it was a nightmare and it had cities and he had full of power and it had all the things that we have today but people were wallowing in immorality. there was no moral compass people would just steal like larceny like if you would invite someone to your home for dinner and he liked your furniture, he would just take it with him because he likes it. This was the, the, the level of, 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 of larceny that existed and it was accepted and everybody was doing it. It was so Noah was actually a righteous human being in his time. Uh, he was he stood apart from the rest. He was a moral, honest, and ethical human being. Because of this, Hashem chose him to save the world by saving himself, his wife, his family, and uh, a pair of each animal so then the world could come back. So we see that he opened the abyss and submerged all of creation into the water for an entire year. It was 40 days and 40 nights that it didn't stop raining and the whole world went inside under the water, it was like a mikvah, they were being purified and Noah and his family were able to escape with a with a zoo a complete zoo that they had in this ark and so unlike Adam God did not expel Noah and, transpose, and transposed him to a new reality he didn't take him out of his reality he left him there and his entire world collapsed in front of him imagine a, a person that sees his whole the whole world being destroyed his friends his city, his, uh, I don't know, his job, everything was completely annihilated. He went away. And so after leaving the ark, he looked ahead to the future and began to repair uh, the desolation. What was the first thing he did? He planted a vineyard. And what did he do, do next? He got drunk. You know, imagine you come out of such a catastrophe uh, you you can't even believe it. So he needed a drink, you know? And so this initial attempt failed. Noah escaped his anguished loneliness by turning into alcohol, and he rolled around as a, as a drunken. And it's so much more that his son uh, took advantage of him, huh? And he, he sodomized him. So some people can relate to the idea that their world, world has been destroyed Many Holocaust survivors lived through this. There's now, in, as we talk, many people who have lost complete families. It's, it's, it's too too big to even talk about. It's It's horrible. Complete lives have been destroyed. And the only way to achieve success is by accepting the challenge and cultivating an optimistic approach. So the only way to get out of such a nightmare is for people to get up and rebuild. That's the only way, and that's what Noah did. And so then, we have the, the third catastrophe, which we talked about, the Tower of Babel, that in the generation of Noah, after Noah, people spoke one language, and, um, and they understood each other perfectly, and they lived together in one society with one purpose, they all had the same, uh, reason to exist and it was to build a tower to defy Hashem and this time the catastrophe came as a dispersal Hashem didn't destroy the world he had promised Noah that he would never destroy the world ever again but what he did is that he confused them he made them confuse people and they ended up living in different places and they could not recognize each other and they couldn't come to terms with each other and they couldn't even speak the the same language. So this dispersal has plagued civilization repeatedly throughout history and an empire may flourish during a glowing era, but after a while the social fabric unravels and it deteriorates into opposing factions. So we see this today. You see, America is a very good example of it, where you see that people here came to build a country based on freedom, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and I don't know, hundreds of years later, you see the same descendants of these people that came with one ideal. Suddenly, nobody can get along. Nobody understands the other. group things like that, that group things like that, each one is completely opposite to the other, they can't even speak in a, in a normal, human, human way, people hate each other, so in place of constructive positive communication, people stop listening to one another, and there's no tolerance, and um, suddenly free speech becomes hate speech, right? So the only level of communication that remains is rock-throwing, and, 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 and hurting other people. So this is also true of the individual, the, difference, the different voices inside us sometimes tear us apart and disturbing our inner peace. And some, some people wander aimlessly around the world, hard pressed to pick up the pieces of their broken lives. And we see today that even people Families don't even speak to each other because of their differences, and it's, it's a tragedy. It's very sad. So according to the sages reckoning Abraham, the first Jewish uh, patriarch, he was already alive during this construction of this Tower of Babel, and he was a lone rebel. He was a person that stood apart from everybody. He was known as the Ivri. What does it mean to be an Ivri? It's a person that is separate from the rest from the other side of the river. He was standing here, there's a river here, and the rest of humanity is on the other side. And this is what a Jew is. A Jew really is a person that is, is on the other side of history. So uh, Abraham heralded the state of harmony that reunites a dispersed world, and uh, one was Abraham. The word, w- world was on one bank, the side of disharmony, and Abraham was on the other bank, the side of unity. And he's the father of the chosen people who declare daily Shema Israel, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Ehad. God is one, and his name is one. There's nothing separate from God. Everything is Hashem. He's the first person to come and realize this. The rest of humanity, what did they see? Oh, God created the world, and then he went, he left it. He left it. But he didn't see it that way. He saw that Hashem not only creates the, created the world, he recreates the world at every instant, and he's very much involved in every little thing that happens in this world. Not a grass, a blade of grass, moves without his intervention. So we see that it takes a, a rebel to reconstruct a central uh, backbone that reunites the shattered shards. And then we come to the fourth catastrophe which Rabbi Ginsberg talks about and he's saying about the end of the era of our patriarchs when the children of Israel came into Egypt they descended into Egypt and then they were enslaved for 210 years by Pharaoh and there were 600,000 men became nation of slaves imagine they came there they lived affluent lives, happy lives while Joseph was alive and then suddenly Joseph passed away and they became slaves. And so we see that the Egyptians um, forced a harsh oppression, crushed the body with forced labor leaving no respite for the soul when a person's body goes through so much pain, these poor people couldn't even breathe, they were putting mortars and bricks all day and carrying stones, that they, they forgot about their souls. They forgot about their humanity. They forgot about their neshama. And so they, they, that was, the paradise was lost. They couldn't even have a little remembrance of what Hashem wanted from them. So when a slave driver seizes a soul, he gives a slave no respite, and the slave is lost unless he dedicates every grasp of air to serving his master. So the only way that a slave can survive this is when he is aware of God, and he, every little, little breath he takes, he is serving God. And only the Exodus can rectify this situation. And the greatest miracle of the Exodus is the exit of a nation from within a nation. They were taken out of a nation. The Jewish people at that time were 100% assimilated to Egyptian uh, culture. They only kept three things that was what saved them from being exterminated. It was they kept their language, they kept the way they dressed, and they kept their Jewish names. And because of this merits they, they kept, they were able to be redeemed and taken to, the most important part of our history, which was the giving of the Torah. So, we see that the giving of the Torah was the the, the purpose for which the Jewish people were taken out, out of Egypt, and the ultimate purpose of this giving the Torah was the Jewish people entering the land of Israel. Because that's where they can fulfill the Torah 100% a Jew in the diaspora, I'm here in in the United States, there's a few uh, mitzvahs that I cannot perform because I'm not in the land of Israel. So to live in the land of Israel is really a a, a privilege, it's a sechut for a Jew, because in this land is where he can live his, his wholeness. And so we see that throughout history, we've had all these types of catastrophes in modern history, we've had uh, moments in which we are uh, taken out of our paradise, he talks about 19th century Jewry where the Jewish people in those days used to live very, very secluded, very uh, protected in the shtibuls, in the shtetels, They had Jewish lives, they lived Jewishly, they thought Jewishly, they behaved Jewishly. And then we see that the time of enlightenment came and many Jews started going in that direction and they started losing their Yiddishkeit to be enlightened, to be a person like the rest of the world. And this doesn't go good. I I don't mean that a Jew can't have an education and can go and work, but a Jew has to always be a light. A Jew has to always be standing straight, proud, and he has to understand what's his role in this world. And so the Holocaust was a, 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 an attempt to annihilate the Jewish people. And, um, and it, it, it had an effect, it took six million of us. Um, it took almost, I don't know, 80 years to be able to come back to where we were before. Uh, and like Noah, after the flood, the survivors of this horrific time of of history had to get up and start all over again. They all rebuilt their lives. There were people who lost their whole families, their wives, their children, everything. They remarried, they started all over again, they went to different countries, and they had to rebuild. And we see that the Jewish community not only survived, but it thrived. And not only in Israel, but it's right throughout the world. So we see that, um, that we need to not follow these ways that the Torah shows us, that they were complete uh, flukes in Jewish, in, in Hashem's vision for the world. We see what went wrong with us. And uh, we should learn not to repeat these lessons For example, the Tower of Babel, that people are together against God. And this is not what God brought us to this world to be. It's the other way around. Hashem brought us to this world to be a light, to bring godly revelation into this world through Torah, through mitzvahs. That's the job of a Jew. We are the big brother of the world. We are a moral compass in the world. We have to behave up to our role. So the whole world can benefit and the whole world can grow and the whole world can become better. So, our job is never done our minds are never relaxed enough to focus on what really matters people are running all day, they're working, they're making a living, there's so much going on it's stressful things, but they don't sit and analyze what's the whole purpose of it And really these weeks, these last two weeks, have really put a stop in our lives, in which we can have to really analyze and and ponder on what is God asking from us? What is in all these things that are happening that the world cannot come back to where it was? It has to really shift. It has to go to a higher phase. And, um, And when we correct the current situation, by openly talking about torah mitzvahs purpose in life what hashem wants from us how a jew should live his life what is expected from us then we can really come out of slavery because if not we're completely slaves to the world we're we're attached to external forces but when we use those forces not to be attached to them and not to be a slave to them but to bring the world to the truth, then we're giving it the right, the right use. So he finishes off very beautiful, he says that just as the giving of the Torah marked the climax of the Exodus, so to the ultimate redemption will be sealed by the revelation of a, of, of, of a higher level of Torah understanding, and that's going to be the inner dimension that was received at Mount Sinai by Moshe Rabbeinu. should be now, it should be yesterday, that we should come to the time of Geulah, of redemption, with Mashiach, we should see the world as Hashem envisions the world, and we, we are partners with Him, that's the gift He gives us. He gives us the ability to be part of it, and to be one of these people like Abraham Avinu, that stood on the other side and were revolutionary, were trailbra- tra- tailbra- trailblazers, they were not followers, they were not sheep. There were people that were imbuing the truth into the world, going against the current. And that's our job, now more than ever. So may Hashem give us the strength, may He give us the vision, and may He give us the the desire to be part of this change. As they say, there's three types of people in the world. There's people who make change, then there's people who sit down and look at what's going on, and then there's people who are just the problem. So you have to choose. Are you gonna be a person in this moment of life where you're gonna be able to bring change to you, to yourself, while you change yourself, you're gonna change the whole world around you? Or you're just gonna sit and look and be a spectator, be scrolling down the Instagram all day and looking at horrible images, and, which doesn't bring any good, or you're one of the problems. So I leave you here, I wish you a blessed week, and remember, live a little higher. Thank you.